We married our granddaughter off. Woohoo! She's so yeah. pretty. So no, it was fun. It, it makes you realize just how ancient you are when <laughs> your granddaughter gets married. It's like you know, I just it was, said it was hard we, enough when your kids get married. I but, was just saying we need to be thankful. Yeah, but we are thankful that she got married, but well, okay then. But there's always the right side oh, of the butt. Oh, whatever. I'm glad. I'm glad too. I'm happy for. And them. you're not half as old as you think you are. <laughs> Amen. Wait a minute. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with I that. I don't either. You have a good one. God bless. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that too. Happy anniversary. So Friday was our anniversary. So my granddaughter's, well, this is actually the second time she got married uh, because she got married during COVID and they were supposed to have their ceremony in May, but because of COVID, they didn't. So they couldn't stand it. So they said, to their dad, my son, uh, Pastor Cameron, will you marry us? So he married him in the front yard back in March, I guess it was, or somewhere back there. So that's actually their anniversary, but I'm looking at it as yesterday, right? The day after ours. <laughs> so just to show you how old we are, though, Friday was our 44th anniversary. <laughs> We've been... You know, I started yesterday after, because I, I only did a little bit of the ceremony, and then I got to sit down with my lovely wife. And uh, it was kind of fun because we kept, and it was cold, and I'm not going to say I wasn't partially trying to get warm. <laughs> but we were so snuggled together through that whole ceremony. And you know, the, I literally kept thinking, we're so blessed. We are so blessed to be 62 and 63 years old and still be in love like that. I mean, that's a God thing, by the way. And I can't, don't have time to go into all the detail, but as we were singing that last song, though, Pastor Roger, it hit me just how faithful God is. Because when we married, and, and I'm going to go into some things today in a minute, about my life, our, my story, and I'll share that briefly here in a moment. But um, what I recognized was that God was moving on us long before I ever said yes to Him. How many else can say, how many others can say, you know what, yeah, I saw God. Maybe you, maybe you didn't realize it, as that song said, it said, even when I don't see that you're working, you never stop. You never stop working. We may not see him working in our life. And you may be sitting here today going, I don't even know God. But let me tell you something, he knows you. He knows you out in live stream land. And you may not think that he's got your number, but he does. He had mine so many years ago, and, and, and I didn't realize it at the time, and that's where I'm going to go today. And I've kind of titled this because I was struggling a little bit with, what do I call this? And I started out with dead and delivered, and I ended up with dead or... How did I do that? Huh. 
It should have been changed to dead or alive. Whoops. And the point is, one person or one entity, the devil wants you dead. God wants you alive in Jesus, in Christ. And that's what this whole morning is about today. So, I was a good kid growing up. Believe it or not. I really was. Some of you were like, what? You know what? I was polite. I got pretty good grades. I mean, I wasn't a genius by any measure. But I did good. I did well in school. I went to church every Sunday. And one of my favorites back then, we were going to the Catholic church. And I became an altar boy. And uh, St. Lawrence Hospital in Lansing had a chapel, and, and I loved getting altar boy duty on Saturday. First, because, well, can I say this? I got church over with, and it was only a half hour service. Some of you are going, yeah, I wish this was. But. <laughs> hey, I want to give you your money's worth, all right? But I would, whenever I did the altar boy thing at St. Lawrence Chapel, I always got a meal afterward. They give you a little voucher that you could go in into the cafeteria and get whatever you wanted. And it was so fun. But while I was an altar boy, and, and the reason I brought this up was I felt something. There, there was a closeness to God, and as a 12-year-old-ish, somewhere in there, I really did feel the Lord. I just didn't understand what that was. And there wasn't really anyone in my life at that time guiding me into that process. So I went to Catholic school through seventh grade, but then they transferred me to public school. And this is when everything started going south. I started disrespecting authority my teachers, my parents. And I know none of you young people here today would find yourself in this place. I'm sure you're very respectful of your your parents. And and I'm going to share some things, not as a boast, so I I don't want any young people thinking, oh man, yeah, he did that, oh, he's cool. Uh Uh-uh, no, I'm sharing this to show you that I was on a path to death. If I'd continued on that path, if God had not gotten a hold of me when he did, it would have led to my death. Dead from God, too. But I thank the Lord that that didn't happen, as you'll find out here. I began to experiment with things, cigarettes, you know. That led to marijuana. I know they legalized it here in our state, but I want to tell you something. In my case, it was not a good thing. As a young person, it it led from one path to another to another. And and it wasn't long, the marijuana wasn't enough, and I I moved on to bigger and bigger and better things, so to speak. And I started to observe that girls were different than guys. Sadly, my grades dropped like a rock. And along the way, my self-esteem went 
I was at that age where I was confused about who I was. And by adding marijuana, alcohol, drugs to my life, I became even more confused. At the age of 14, and I'm sharing this just to kind of set this up for everything that was to follow, I broke up with a girl who I felt at the age of 14 that I loved. I was in love with her. I, I, I knew I was. I wanted to marry her, but she didn't see it that way. As a result, as with that broken heart, I turned on my Alice Cooper Dead Babies album, if you remember that. You think that helped? <laughs> so I'm doing drugs. Got Alice Cooper playing. I'm wallowing in my self-pity. Guess what the next thought was? Why am I here? Why don't I just end it? I can't get through this. Thankfully, I, I overdid on the drug part, and it knocked me out that day. And when I came to the next day, I realized that I almost took my life. I'm not going to say God had a hand in that, but I believe he did. He knocked me out so that I wouldn't go to that next step. I wanted to mention this. Sometimes our young people fall in love with somebody, and we, we like to call it, what do we call it? Puppy love. But there's no puppy about it. And sometimes when our young people find themselves there, don't dismiss it if you're a parent or a grandparent. Walk them through it. If somebody had been there in my life that day, maybe they could have helped me avoid the misery that I was in. I don't know. Just somebody to listen to. But that day I couldn't find anybody and I almost went to the extreme, nobody wants you to go. So be careful when your young people come into your life. And, and by the way, I think this is pretty cool. Then I listened to Alice Cooper, who was obviously on the highway to hell. But you know he's born again now. So not only did he get born again, I did too. So we can say, dead or alive, which that should say. And we're both alive today because of Jesus. Hallelujah. So why am I bringing this up today? Why am I focusing on my old life? Because as big a mess as I was, and this is something we all need to realize, God's hand was on me. God's hand was on me. And... and I didn't see it then, and, and I love that Waymaker song because it was exactly what I'm focusing on today. You don't see him, but he's working. You could be, you could be in jail. He's working on your behalf. He knocked me out that day so I wouldn't do something stupid or more extreme than I'd already done. God knows. And though I was going away from him, <laughs> he still protected me. 
First Timothy 2.4, this is the living Bible. For he longs for all of us to be saved and to understand the truth. Do you know that? God doesn't want anybody to perish in their sins. He longs for all of us to be saved and to understand his truth. Somebody needs to hear this today, whether it's here or on live stream. God is coming after you because he wants you to be a part of his kingdom. And you might not recognize it yet, but there's going to come a day, if you give your life to him, that you're going to realize everything he did while you were yet a sinner. And God is able to restore you. He is able to lift up your head and to give you a hope if you'll let him. So stop running. Stop running and let God. Hmm. Now as I prayed on this message, and, and what I felt I heard from the Lord was, we need to recognize this. And I've talked quite a bit about this the last couple of weeks, but the devil targets those who have potential toward the things of God. He doesn't wait for you to get born again. Now, I spent the last two weeks talking about how, as a Christian, we're, we're in his bullseye, right? But today I want to talk about how he doesn't wait for us to get there. If he sees potential in you, he's going to try to take you out early because he knows what you're going to be like if you get the power of the Holy Spirit in you. And he saw me as, as that altar boy having a heart toward the things of God. And, and I believe this. I believe he went, uh-uh. I'm going to do everything I can to turn you in a different direction because I don't want you going there. The devil not only targets Christians, but he targets those who have potential toward the things of God. As I look back on my life, even before I was born again, I can identify many near misses. How about you? Anybody here that you know of specific times when you should have died, all right? Maybe it was some sickness or whatever, an accident or whatever it was. Uh, you realize that the devil tried to kill you, but God... But God had a plan. Ephesians 6.11, which I went into a little bit last week, more so than, this is, I'm just alluding to this today, but the Living Bible says, put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand safe against all strategies and tricks of Satan. And I'm only bringing this up to show you that last part again. The devil observes us, he analyzes us, he strategically watches us, and then he comes up with a plan to try to take you out. It doesn't only happen when you're a Christian. If he can get you out of the way early, he will. And that's where I'm going with this today. The devil's not biased. He will destroy anybody that he can, if he can. If he can get his hooks into us, he will do so. He doesn't care if you're born again. He doesn't care if you're a heathen. We're all fair game to him. All right, should we worry about that? 
what, is, what does the Bible say? God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but one of power and of love and of a sound mind. So no, we shouldn't. But we need to recognize that he is real. And as a person who might not be walking with the Lord, we're fair game really, really, really bad. Because we, we're not walking in the power yet, right? And as I see it, the devil wants to destroy every one of us if he can. And that's, that's what 1 Peter 5, 8 said. Be careful, watch out for attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around like a what? Hungry, roaring lion looking for some victim to tear apart. You don't have to be a Christian to fall into this category. At a young age, as I said, I was drawn to the Lord, and I believe the, the devil was looking for a way to get me out of the picture. But I also want to point out that as much as the devil tried to kill me, God was proactive in keeping that from happening. You realize the devil's power is limited? God's is not. We serve a limitless God. But the devil is limited. The devil isn't omniscient. He can't be everywhere. He's not, that's omnipresent. Omniscient meaning he can't think everything. He, he can only be in one place at a time. He does have minions though. Little demons that run around uh, trying to do his bidding. So all of us need to recognize that we serve, if you're a Christian, the all-powerful God. The devil is powerless unless we give him power. Romans 5.8 But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while what? Take that in for a minute. Jesus knew that we were going to sin. And yet he still came and he still took our place on the cross. He redeemed us from the curse of the law through his body. He suffered where we should have. And you know something that's kind of cool? And I, I, how many know God orchestrates things? I thought that was pretty deep. The one says, we have an enemy. He's out there. He wants to devour us, to tear us to pieces. The other one says, while we were still in that mess, in our sins, Jesus died for us. Jesus gave us a hope. Jesus gave us a future. I don't know. I just, I thought that was kind of cool. How the numbers line up. If Jesus were willing to die for us while we're yet sinners, I believe that God is equally interested in keeping us safe until the day that we're able to make a decision for him. And I think he works at that, as that last song that we sang alluded to. But if you would appease me this morning, just give me a little time here, I want to share two events with you 
that show how God was moving in my life long before I said yes to Jesus. The first one's called the boat ride. <laughs> the boat ride. Anybody been to Lake City? You passed Lake Misaki. Yep. We used to vacation there at the end of every summer. We did that for years, my family and I. And this was when I was young, all right? So I'm backing up a little bit. So I was 17. I had a buddy who was 18. And it, back then, which would have been 75, I think, ish, you could drink at 18. They lowered the age for a little while. Well, I wasn't old enough, but my buddy said, oh, hey, I'll get us a couple quarts. Again, I'm not saying this to, to I'm not proud of this moment, but I'm, tr I'm actually trying to show you what happened as a result of, so really it's a, it's a negative thing that took place because we were drinking. So he bought us two quarts of beer. And we went fishing in my dad's little 12-foot Starcraft, which I still have today. And that lake is, is, it's pretty safe. You know, it's not huge, but it's big enough. And as we were drinking and catching fish, they were biting like crazy that day. One pike after another. I mean, it was, we had a blast. But what we didn't realize as we were drinking and catching so many fish was that there was a storm moving in on us. Yeah. We weren't paying attention to that. All we were paying attention to were all the fish we were getting in the boat. And as two young men, 17 and 18, who cares about a little storm, right? And it started getting darker and we didn't realize it. And my buddy, he, he, caught, a, a, he caught a nice one. And he put it back in the water because we were catch and release. And uh, who said, <laughs> I catch so many fish and people are like, man, I'll eat them. <laughs> so he, he put the fish back in the water and he went to clean the fish slime because pike are notorious for having, I don't know what that stuff is, but it's, it's, it's nasty stuff if you get it on your hands. And so he went to lean over to wash the stuff off his hands and we were drinking and he lost his balance. Bloop! He fell in. No big deal. He knew how to swim, right? But instead of waiting for me, because I'm, I'm laying back on the back bench seat, steering the motor, doing the trolling thing. You, you got the picture? Well, he came up behind me and he grabbed the side rail of the boat and, and like one of those seals that you see on TV when they jump out of the water, well, he did that only he put his weight on the side of the boat and the boat went poop. <laughs> All of our gear, bloop. Me, bloop. Hey, great. Thanks, buddy. You couldn't have waited till I sat up. Appreciate it. All my dad's fishing tackle. Because, you know, kids, we didn't have our own stuff. It was all my dad's. And I'm like, now what? Well, we were going to stay with the boat. Now it's dark. The waves are about one and a half, two foot white caps. It's raining now. Yeah. And we thought, oh, you know what? We'll just 
wait here. They'll figure it out. They'll send somebody looking for us. And the speedboat starts. It almost hit the boat, and we were behind the boat. And he was doing 40, 45. And we're screaming at the top of our lungs, help! Trying to get our hands out of the water high enough for them to see. And they didn't see us. But they almost hit the boat. (laughs) So we're both thinking, you know what? Maybe it's not safe. Maybe we should get out of the water if we can. So what did we do? We started swimming towards shore. Of course, we were probably just about dead center of that lake. And I meant to look to see how far that was. But Okay, so I've been drinking. And I smoked a lot then too, cigarettes. So my lungs weren't the greatest. My buddy, on the other hand, was an athlete. And we started swimming in. And what we did was we, we picked, there was a, a, a porch light on this cottage. And it was like woods beyond it. So we, we focused on that light because... When you're in the water and your head's just barely above the water line, it's hard to tell where you're at. And my fear was we'd just swim in circles. So we locked in on that particular porch light and we started heading toward it. Hallelujah. Let me get to where I'm at here because I don't want to miss my slides. What happened next was really hard for me, even today, to think about it. I'd gotten rid of all the beer I drank, if you get the picture, and all the lake water that I ingested, and it wore me out. And we had these seat cushion things. That's what we're floating on, swimming in. And I was exhausted, and I, I couldn't go on. And I looked up, and that porch light was way off. It was still tiny. And I said to my friend, I said, look, I can't go on anymore. You go on without me. And he's trying to cheer me on, but I literally couldn't hold my head up anymore. I was exhausted. And I put my head down to drown that day. Next thing I hear, Norm, stand up. Norm, stand up. I'm like, am I hearing things? Is he, is he nuts? Is he lost it? But just for the sake of argument, I mustered enough strength to look up. And that little teeny cottage light was now about 150 feet away. What happened? (laughs) What happened? In my head, I'm thinking, how did that happen? What do you think happened? God had a plan. And my plan was not to die on Lake Misaki that night. 
if I had died there, we never would have gone to Bible college. I never would have met my wife. My four children never would have been born. My grandchildren would have never been born. And the, the people that we have ministered to over the years, whether children or adults, might not have been saved. And I'm not trying to look at any, me, me as anybody special, because I'm not. God's no respecter of people. But what I'm trying to show you is God has a plan. Even before we realize we're a part of it. <laughs> and that's what happened. So the fun part was, it, <laughs> we freaked these people out. There were six adults playing cards on their porch. That's what the porch light was. And we didn't even knock. He, he helped me get up. He, he pretty much drugged me up to their house. And we just opened the door and the two of us collapsed inside the door. And when I came to, I was in front of a fireplace with a big blanket around me. And the, the owners said, we've called the sheriff. They'd been out looking for you. They'd already put a boat in the water. They were out looking for us. And my dad, who was worried sick, was on his way over to get us. Wow. God had a plan. And it wasn't to drown. I wanted to show you this real quick, just so that you don't think I'm crazy. In Acts 8.39, Philip was taken away. He went and he ministered to the Ethiopian eunuch. He... Uh, actually walked the guy through the salvation prayer, baptized him in water, and then the Lord took him. And, and that word is the word harpazo, which means to be snatched, to be caught up or taken away by force. And I believe that's what happened. That night on Lake Misaki was that God knew that if I went any longer... I was going to die. And he translated us. And by the way, just as an aside, this is also used in this verse where the church is going to be caught up when Jesus comes back for us in what we call the rapture. So this snatching away thing is real. All right, I'm not just making this stuff up just in case you were thinking that I was a little bit warped in my theology. When the Lord has a plan for you, nothing will stop that plan from taking place except perhaps our own stubborn rebellion. And we have to be careful with that. But another scripture that I, I loved, see, I'm sending an angel before you to protect you on your journey and lead you safely to the place I prepared for you. And this is, of course, the uh, Israelites or the Hebrew people as they were leaving uh, Egypt being delivered from the Pharaoh's hands. This is what the Lord was doing for them. And I believe that the Lord loosed an angel that night for us, for our sake, to keep us safe. Back to my story. The devil wanted me dead. But God needed me alive. And what he did for me, I know he'll do for you.
How are we doing on time? The second time, second event. First was a boat ride, the second's a truck ride. And I don't want you to think that is, is all that you ever did drink, but it was. <laughs> Two months later, after I almost drowned. And by the way, I didn't realize any of what happened to me there. I didn't realize God moved. I just thought, We always hunted in, ironically, the state forest in Misaki County. Same county where I almost drowned. We went to a, a hunt camp. How many hunt here? And you go to a hunt camp? No, you just hunt out your back window, don't you, Mike? I mean, not, no, that would be illegal. You don't do that. That's Rebecca's job. So we'd get together with a bunch of, uh, another family, and they had a bunch of boys. And uh, we would meet at their cottage in Farwell. And of course, like most hunters, maybe not most, some hunters, the night before hunt day, for opening day, what do you do? Out, yeah, you, you do. You, you, and we had a few, too many. And then, sadly, 4.30 in the morning, my dad, this was the highlight of his life, he absolutely adored hunting. He was a deer hunter by nature. 4.30 in the morning, daylight in the swamp! Which meant, get up. And, and we're all laying there in our, our stupor, all the boys. The two men, they're up. They're getting breakfast ready. And we're just laying there going, oh, what did I do this for? <laughs> Finally get dressed, get out there. Five o'clock in the morning, we all meet at the back of my dad's pickup. And just to give you a little background on the story, my dad had a topper on his 72 Chevy pickup. Not a camper, but a topper, right? But he built these really cool wooden benches in there. And he put like lawn cushions on them and, and they were awesome, he did a great job. And there was storage underneath, you get the idea. So every year on the way from hunt camp to where we hunted in the forest, which was a little over an hour away, We'd get in the back, me and this other guy, Kim, who was just a little older than me, and, and we would go to sleep. We looked forward to that, have a little breakfast after daylight in the swamp, get in the back, it's still dark, climb into our sleeping bags, and we would fall asleep till we got to the woods, and my dad would wake us up, and then we'd go out and fall asleep in the woods. <laughs> you wonder why I never got one. And that particular day, it was not horrible out, but a little inclement. And my dad was driving up M66, and he gets behind this guy. It was a car pulling a trailer. 
he wasn't going fast enough for my dad. My dad wanted to get to his spot before. Uh, he, liked to, he liked to get out there about 30 minutes before daybreak. So we got out there early so that we wouldn't spook the deer. So in his mind, he's thinking, no, this guy's holding me back. I got to get around him. So he decides to pass. And on his way around the guy, the guy apparently wasn't too cool about him passing him. I don't know why. I mean, it wasn't going to hurt him any. Maybe he thought we were going to get his hunting spot. And he actually tried to run us off the road. I say tried. He didn't try. He did. (laughs) My dad's rear tire caught the other shoulder and flung us across in front of him. And what I neglected to tell you was there's a a big... uh, Back then, they would put spare tires on the front of their trucks. And we had this big rubber tire on the front. And as we were probably doing about 50 plus, we fly into this farmer's field, snow covered, and right ahead of us was a boulder about the size of a VW. My dad had no control. We were just at the whim of the truck and the trajectory that we were on. And we hit that boulder. The rock didn't move. (laughs) But we did. And we went end over three times. Now I'm going to back up and I'm going to give you the miracle. That morning... My dad, standing at the back of his pickup, looked at us boys and said, you're riding in the front today. And I said, I said a few things I can't say in here. Because I wasn't born again yet. So I fussed, I cussed. The only thing I didn't do, I didn't get physical, because he probably would have whooped me back then. And he said to Kim and I, you you boys, you're going to sit in the front. And I said, Dad, you two guys, you three guys, you're big. You're huge. So three big guys and a skinny guy. Guess who the skinny guy was? So I'm, I'm in there literally like this, trying to find my spot, trying to get comfortable. <laughs> and I was not happy. I was saying, I love you, Dad. I love you. <laughs> rustle, rustle. And by the way, because there were four of us in the front seat of that pickup, we couldn't put our seatbelts on. But we were so tightly bound in there that when that truck went airborne, none of us moved. Now, here's what I want you to see. After this happened, we got out of the truck. It it landed right side up, by the way. I, I don't think I mentioned that. It was still running. The, we had a, the other guys were in their other, there was another truck following us because the, the other boys were in their pickup. And their hearts stopped until they saw us get out. They thought we were dead. They thought for sure we were gone. And the guy that was driving the, the, the car in the trailer, he never even stopped. 
We went right in front of him into that field, and he kept going. And those men that were behind us said, it's impossible, because they watched us. That topper was flattened like a pancake. Those benches that Kim and I would have been laying on, nothing, nothing left. Our guns were scattered all over the field. We would have absolutely been killed had we been in the back of that truck. But that morning, an angel, and I believe it was, an angel spoke to my dad and said, do not let them ride back there. And it was so strong that he was willing to fight these two teenage boys who weren't having it. But he didn't give in. And as a result, it not only saved our lives, but it saved his and uh, Kim's dad as well. His name was Dexter. Because if we hadn't been up there, they wouldn't have had their We didn't wear seatbelts back then. They probably would have been ejected. God had a plan. Proverbs 15, 3, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. <laughs> that day, I was wicked. And God was still watching over me. My point for sharing this story again is the devil had a plan to kill me, but God had a plan to save me. And I share this verse often, but it bears witness again. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And in the midst of all of that, God saw fit to save this man. And I want to tell you something. I'm really grateful today. Now that I can look back and recognize his hand was on us, I have to do one thing and one thing alone. Give thanks. I have to. <laughs> What's left? God loved me so much that he kept me from dying. And, and there were other times, I'm just sharing the, these two because they were pivotal in my life and they were so close together. Two months later, I met my wife. She wasn't my wife then. <laughs> She's my girlfriend starting out, but that evolved quickly. And next year we got married. And that was another place where I, I'm telling you God had a hand on us. Because where would I be without her? I, I, would, I would not have made it without her. What am I saying? You, you may find yourself today wondering, what am I doing? What's life all about? You may think that you're all alone, but you're not. 
When I was younger, I looked in all the wrong places for the meaning to life. Because I didn't find God, I went toward the drugs and the alcohol and sex, thinking that would somehow satisfy the pain that I felt. And you know what? It never did. It never did. It wasn't until I met Jesus at the ripe young age of 23 that everything changed for good. It was then that Jesus became the Lord of my life. And the drugs and the alcohol and all the other stuff that went with it just... And then I was able to see what God had done all along. Because he loved me. Even before I was a believer. And he does the same thing for us. Everybody in this room, you on live stream, you think you're alone? No. No. God loves you. We're in a real fight as I begin to close. We have a real enemy. The devil wants us dead, but God wants us safe. And my life shows that even while I was yet a sinner, he moved in my life and, and he kept me protected. The Lord eventually used us, but I don't believe that has anything to do with this. I believe God does this for all of us. And he does have a plan for you. You may be instrumental in reaching one person and one alone. Maybe it's the next Billy Graham. I don't know. But God has a plan for you. And maybe, maybe you're looking in all the wrong places for satisfaction. You know, you, you've, you've been like I was. You like to drink too much or, or you take drugs just to mask the pain. And I don't know everything you've been through, but I know in my own life, I went through a lot as a young person. And I was a mess. And were it not for Jesus getting a hold of my heart a few years later, I, I guarantee I would be dead. But God had a different plan for me. A plan to restore me. Not to bring harm, but to prosper me. And he has the same plan for you. If only you'll let him in to your life. I wanted to close with this scripture. And again, it's, it's the one we all know, John 3, 16. But I'm going to go through verse 18. And this is from the message. This is how much God loved the world. He gave His Son, His one and only Son. And this is why. So that no one need be destroyed. By believing in Him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. 
God didn't go to all the trouble of sending His Son merely to point an accusing finger telling the world how bad it was. And how many thought that's how God was? He was up there just waiting for you to do something wrong. And He was just going to... when you did. (laughs) That's how I thought about Him for years. Until somebody introduced me to this God, the loving God, the caring God, the merciful God. Yes, He's just, but He's also full of grace. He came to help, to put the world right again. Anyone who trusts in Him is acquitted. (laughs) That means you're forgiven, by the way. Anyone who refuses to trust Him has long since been under the death sentence without knowing it. I was under the death sentence and I didn't even know it. But in my heart I knew something was not right. The darkness was so evident around my life back when I was younger. I didn't get it, but it was real. Until the light of Jesus shined on my heart. And then everything changed. Some of you listening today need this light. And why, it says? Because of that person's failure to believe in the one-of-a-kind Son of God when introduced to Him. So here's the thing. I'm standing here today to introduce you to Jesus if you don't already know Him as your Lord and Savior. Would everybody stand here in the auditorium My testimony is mine. It's my story and how God changed me. Everybody here, if you're a born-again believer, you have a similar story. Don't take that lightly. You need to be telling others what God has done in your life. And, And I suspect if you really look your life over for those who are saved, maybe for 10 years, 20. If you look back, my guess is you'll see events that took place where you know God did something to spare you from certain death or some kind of calamity that would have ruined you. The beauty is, now that's my story. What the enemy intended for harm, the Lord turned it around for the good of those who loved him. And I believe he wants to do that for everybody, including you on the other side of this camera. You might be sitting in your living room right now going, man, I'm a mess. I don't know what to do next. I've been trying to stuff all this stuff in, trying to to mask the pain and it just hasn't worked. I've got good news for you. Jesus. 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 He saved me. As a result, he saved my wife. And as a result, he saved my boys. And as a result, now their children are following in the ways of the Lord. But it has to start somewhere. And 
you may be pivotal for the rest of your family to receive forgiveness, deliverance. The devil wants you dead. God wants you alive. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, dead or alive, if you walk out of here today without knowing that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your Savior, you could end up You think God is happy when people go to hell? (laughs) He hates it. But because He's a just God, we have to pay. He can't be in the presence of sin. Without forgiveness of sin, we can't go to heaven. But if, if we lean on the cross and say yes to Jesus, Our lives will be changed. Those who are dead will become alive. Just like I was, you can be the same. But you've got to put your trust in Him. You must choose. Would you bow your heads? If you're here today, you'd say, Pastor Norm, I don't know what would happen if I were to get in an accident today. I don't know where my soul would go. But I want to know, if you're on live stream, listen, this is for you as well. And I'm going to give you a, a minute here. In a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray. But if you're here today and you'd say, I want to be sure. I don't want to leave here today not knowing whether I will be with the Lord or not. I want to know for certain that if this heart were to stop beating, I'd go to be with the Lord forever. If you're here today and you need, I I just want to pray with you. Would you just acknowledge that by lifting your hand so I can see it? Anybody in here? Yep, yep. Anybody else? Yep, anybody else? You put them down. And I trust there are people online that you would say yes, just by an upraised hand. And we want to pray with you. So here's what I want everybody to do. Just join me in this short prayer. But I shared this last week, Romans 10, 9 and 10, and 11. Heavenly Father, say this with me. Heavenly Father, I need you. I need your love. Fill this void in me. Lord, forgive me of my many sins and make me a new person. I believe Jesus died for me. And on the third day, he rose from the dead. And then he ascended into heaven. And the Bible says he's at the right hand of the Father interceding for me today September the 20th 2020 I give my heart to you I give my life to you this mess of a life 
I gladly give it to you. Change me, shape me, mold me into the person of God you want me to be. Help me to live for you. To get to know you better. To find a good church. If, if I'm not going here already. So that I can grow up and mature in my faith for you. I give it all to you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Give the Lord a hand today for everything he's doing. And I, I think this is important. If, if you made a decision today and you're online, write me at norm at gaylordchurch.com. Just say, I'm one of those. And I'd like to send you something in the mail uh, that'll help you on this journey that you're on. And in the meantime, tell a couple other people that you know are, are born again and just say, hey, I gave my life to Jesus today. And let God start moving in your life. And I'd say the same to those of you here. You know, don't take this lightly. This wasn't just a decision for this next two minutes. This is a lifetime. Let God do something supernatural in your life. Let people know what you're doing here. And I believe that you'll see great results as, as, a, as the Lord moves. Father, we are again blessed beyond measure. And though I shared my story today, every person here has a similar story. May we use our testimony, Lord, as a vehicle to share how you saved us from certain death. Yes, the devil wants us dead, but you want us alive. And Lord, we thank you for keeping us alive in Christ. Now keep us safe as we travel, as we come and go. Put people in our path that we can share our testimony with, pray with, pray over. Perhaps we'll have the opportunity like Philip did with the Ethiopian, to pray for someone and see them become born again. In the meantime, bless our families. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Don't forget, one more week of prayer uh, this Wednesday night at 6.30, from 6.30 to 7.30, praise and prayer. We've had a great group show up, and God's really been moving. So come on out and uh, pray with us if you can on Wednesday. God bless you.